Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. The Old Testament book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah and chapter number 15. Jeremiah and chapter number 15. We're in our very last message of our little mini-series dealing with the Holy Scriptures. We may have a couple more messages throughout the year speaking about the Holy Scriptures, but this is the last one of our scheduled series. And as we've been trying to wrap things up in a practical way this morning, we took time to talk about how to properly respond to the Word of God. And now as we finish to apply the, the message properly applying the Word of God properly, we want to find that this is the Word of God that can give us hope in the midst of some of the darkest times that we may face. That it is the answer. It does have power. It is able to work. And we find this demonstrated in the life of Jeremiah and Jeremiah chapter number 15. Jeremiah chapter number 15 and if you don't mind, let's start looking at this chapter together. Jeremiah 15, starting at verse number 1. Jeremiah 15 and verse number 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And it shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord, Such as are for death, to death, and such are for the sword, to the sword, and such are for the famine, to the famine, and such are for the captivity, to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord, the sword to slay, and the dogs to tear, and the fowls of the earth, and the beast of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will cause them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth, because of Manasseh the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. For who shall have pity upon thee, O Jerusalem? Or who shall bemoan thee? Or who shall go aside to ask how thou doest? Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. Therefore I will stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. And I will fan them with a fan in the gates of the land. And I will bereave them of children. And I will destroy my people since they return not from their ways." Their widows are increased to me and have sand of the seas and I have brought them upon them against the mother of the young men, a spoiler at noonday. 
I have caused him to fall upon it suddenly and terrors upon the city. She that hath borne seven languisheth. She that hath given up the ghost. Her son is gone down while it is yet day. She hath been ashamed and confound. And the residue of them will I deliver to the sword before their enemies, saith the Lord. Woe is me. My mother that hath borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent on usury nor have men lent me to on usury. Yet everyone doth curse me. The Lord said, Verily it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily I will cause the enemy to entreat thee well in a time of evil and in a time of affliction. Shall iron break the northern iron and the steel? Thy substance and thy treasures will I give thee to the spoil without price, that for all thy sins, even in all thy borders. And I will make thee to pass with thine enemies into a land which thou knowest not, for a fire is kindled in mine anger, which shall burn upon you. O Lord, thou knowest, remember me, and visit me, and revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone because of thy hand, for thou hast filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual, and my wound incurable, which refuseth to be healed? Will thou be altogether unto me as a liar, and as waters that fail? Therefore thus saith the Lord, If thou return, then I will bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if thou take forth the precious from the vile, and thou shalt be as my mouth, let them return unto thee. But return not thou unto them. And I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wool, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Jeremiah chapter 15? Jeremiah chapter 15, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 16, where it says, And I did eat them, thy word was unto me. And so with this, we could see this idea, the principle here, of eating God's word. Of eating God's word. And with this, we want to just get some encouragement from this book of Jeremiah. As Jeremiah was at the midst of his ministry and watching things going on. And he needed some special encouragement. Where did he get this encouragement from? From eating God's word. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, we're just asking that you would just give a grace and that you would give mercy to us now. Let us just have an understanding of what your Bible has to say and the power that it has in our lives. And we're asking that we would see that great power. Again, I recognize that I am weak and frail today. I have no ability of myself. But I don't have to trust me. I could trust your own word to do its own work. 
Just supply your grace, supply your mercy, supply your power even now. Fill me with your precious spirit and you just get your work accomplished now and let this message matter for eternity because of what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 14 and chapter 15, we could see that the prophet Jeremiah is in the middle of a conversation, a prayer conversation with God. And in this conversation, God is determined to bring judgment upon the people of Judah. God has had enough. He is upset. And Jeremiah, being the proper prophet, has been trying to plead with God and trying to convince God not to bring the destruction. Finally, God just ceases the argument. He stops it in verse number 1. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 1, Jeremiah 15 in verse number 1. Now, the conversation starts in chapter 14 and continues in verse 15, but the conversation is brought to a halt. No more pleading, no more begging. Verse number 1, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards this people. Cast them out of my sight. And let them go forth. Now, sometimes people don't understand or don't remember, don't realize that God is a God of emotions. And here God is fed up. He is tired of his people not obeying his word. He's tired of his people serving every other God and giving every other little G God credit but not giving him credit, not giving him honor. And God is done. So much that as Jeremiah is pleading with God and trying to convince God to give the people another chance, God stops it. He says, I don't care if Moses and Samuel were standing right before me. And if they were begging me to stop, I still would say no. Now, this is a big deal. In Jeremiah's time, the two biggest prayer warriors, the two biggest... Uh, people in the Old Testament known for their prayers was Samuel and Moses. Think about the times that Moses pled for the people. I mean, there was plenty of time the Israelites ticked off God and aggravated him. And God says, move out of the way, Moses. I'm done. I'm done. And Moses would plead for the people. Please don't destroy them. Please don't destroy them. And God would listen. How many times Samuel had told the people, he said, it would be a sin for me not to pray for you. And you could see as Samuel begged for God and went before the people and what a prophet he was and how he had the ear of God. And yet as Jeremiah is going before God, God says, no, 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 listen, I don't care if Moses and Samuel, both of them standing right here and they were begging me to stop. It wouldn't change my mind. I am done. By the way, how much did you have to aggravate God for him to get to this point? I mean, what place did you have to be for God to say, I'm done with him. I'm done. I'm done. Stop talking about it. Stop arguing with me. Stop trying to beseech him. We're done. The conversation is over. The people have gotten to the place where they have just drawn the line and God can't stand it no more. In fact, notice, and again, my voice won't carry through, but in this, God is full of emotion. Notice verse 2. And it shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, whither we shall go forth, then thou shalt tell them, thus saith the Lord, such as 
are for death. To death. Now notice God repeats himself. Have you ever been so angry at a child or something that you end up repeating yourself and trying to put the emphasis? This is what God is doing here. He's saying, listen, if they came up to me, tell them, listen, such are for death. To death. And such are for the sword. To the sword. And such are for the famine. To the famine. And such are for the captivity. To the captivity. God is upset. And he's placing emphasis. And he said this is it. This, let me tell you. To the sword. To captivity. I'm done. I, the emphasis is here. God is upset. Now just as a gee whiz in my mind's eye. Can you actually imagine being in a conversation with God when God is upset? That's going to be a terrifying thing as Jeremiah is looking at God and God said, No, we're done. We're Stop talking. They're done. What would you say? Yes, sir. <laughs> Try not to get in God's bad side as he's already angry. That's not a good conversation to be in the midst of. And he says, I will, God's going to destroy them. And he gives them four different ways he'll destroy them. Verse number four, and I will cause them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Why? Because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king in Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. Now it starts here and it goes on. Remember, Manasseh was the most evil king that they had. It said of him that he made blood run through the streets of Jerusalem. That Manasseh killed children in order to, to worship his little G-God. Manasseh took Isaiah, the great prophet, and cut him in half with a, with a saw. I mean, how evil do you have to be to take a 90-year-old man and chop him up in pieces just because you don't like his message? Then it goes on and you have the, the kings who decide to take God's word and cut it up with a penknife And then throw it in a fire. God is done. Just transgression after transgression after transgression. Well, as Jeremiah is talking with God and listening that God says, I'm done. In fact, notice verse 6. For thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. This is where we get our idea of backsliding. That they slid away from where they, their relationship with God. And the whole nation of Israel has backslidden. They have gone backward. They're not advancing forward in their walk with God. They're going backward. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. Now, this is the parent ultimately done. I'm done. I'm not changing my mind. I don't care what you beg. I don't care if you cry. I am done. I'm not changing my mind. Punishment's coming. Punishment. We're done. He, he's absolutely done. Well, as Jeremiah is now thinking about his life and ministry, remember Jeremiah was the prophet who preached to these folks for 40 years. And for 40 years he's preached and not a single one of them has returned back. 40 years he has given his life. And as Jeremiah has done his best to be the servant, as he's done his best to follow after God and deliver the warnings, the people responded to Jeremiah in disobedience. They responded to Jeremiah by threatening his life. People were trying to kill him. In fact, it got to the place where Jeremiah was used as an illustration of what a failure looked like. If you can imagine inside of a classroom. And they said, listen, 
if you want an example of a failure, go look outside. You see that, that preacher out there? That's what a failure looks like. He's wasted his entire life and nobody has come to him. Nobody's even gave him a pat on the back and say, good job. No one's bought him a Starbucks coffee and said, thank you. I appreciate what you do. And Jeremiah has been an example of failure inside of the minds of the people of Jerusalem. That's got to be pretty awful. Giving your entire life and the way that the world looked at it is that he was a failure. Well, you know, if you're not careful, you could start to sympathize with how the world looks at it. I've served God. You know, nobody goes into the ministry with the idea that, that no one's going to listen to them. Everybody who goes in the ministry has the idea they're going to be used of God to see people get saved, to see people get right, to see revivals. I mean, that's the whole purpose. Jeremiah went to follow God and nothing. He's been threatened. He's been jailed. He's been imprisoned. He's been used as an example. People mock at him. People laugh at him. And after a while, even godly Jeremiah, that's got to take a toll. Notice in verse number 10. Woe is me that my mother hath, hath hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. He goes on and says, you know what? I wish I had never been born. That is what we call depression. He's now in a depression because he's listened to God get upset. And God's mad. And it's not Jeremiah's fault, but God's done. And Jeremiah's just been trying to plead. God, please don't destroy the people. No, stop. You're done. Nothing you can say can convince me. What else do you think? But I failed. What else do you think that, why do I exist? I've just wasted time. I just, and he's in a depression. He said, it'd be better if I wasn't born. It'd be better if the guy who was the bother to everyone. And that's what, how people look to Jeremiah. Oh, there's that preacher. He's just there. He's going to bother me some more. Convict me of my sins. Oh, and no, I don't want to hear his message. Jeremiah says, I'm the guy that everyone sees as the bother to him. It'd be better if I wasn't even here and exist. Uh, then I wouldn't have to bother anybody. Bothering God, bothering these people. Why do I even exist? It'd be better if I was never born. You know, sometimes we look at these Bible characters and these historical people as super Christians. But here's Jeremiah who's in a depression. Because he's looking at his life through the eyes of the world. And it looks like he's a failure. He's talking with God and it seems like God's had enough. And all this hard work, the labor that he's done, has come for nothing. God's going to destroy the place anyways. He's in a depression. But notice with me at the end of the chapter. Notice with me in verse number 19. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if thou return, that I will bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if thou shalt take forth the precious form of the vial, and thou shalt be as my mouth, and let them return unto me, but return not thou to them. And I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, to save thee, and to deliver thee. In verses 19 and 20, there's a new hope. Jeremiah, you go ahead and go preach to the people. 
And you don't worry about what they're going to do to you because I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make sure they don't harm you. My presence is going to go with you. We're going to go do this together. There's a new hope. There's a new encouragement. There's a new recharging. Now, in verse 10, he's depression. Verse 19 and 20, he's going back out, encouraged in the Lord. What made the difference? And so all of that was introduction. Let's go to the message now. What made the difference? We see the difference in verse number 16. And we can see that there are three things here that we could see about God's word and see about what made the difference. First of all, God's word was found. God's word was found. Notice in verse number 16, thy words were found. That's pretty easy. As Jeremiah used God's word, he could have extended this phrase a little bit more. He could have said, thy words were found by me. Thy words were found by me. What does that mean? That he searched the scriptures for himself. We have to get to the place where we learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now, having good Bible preaching is good and wonderful, but it is not the same. Let me tell you what biblical preaching ends up being like. What happens is that as the preacher is studying, God is filling up his cup and is pouring more into it. And now as his cup is running over, he comes and delivers to you what's running over. May I say you're getting the leftovers? You're getting the leftovers of the Lord speaking to the preacher. And so there's no way it is just as good to the preacher as it is coming out because of all the study and spending time with the Lord. Now, it's good for you and you should take it but what I'm trying to say is that you need to learn to encourage yourself on the Lord by searching the scriptures for yourself. That the scriptures were found by me. I went to the scriptures and I searched them myself. And I read in the scriptures, understanding the power of God's word. Understanding that God is going to open up his word. To understand that God is going to show me more about him. I could study the scriptures for myself and get the encouragement I need to keep going on. That the words were found by me. Through the scriptures, Jeremiah found what he needed to revive himself. If we seek, by the way, we will find. The Bible gives a promise. If we're seeking after God, he'll be found. If we're looking for encouragement in the scriptures, the scriptures will give us the encouragement. He could have said, thy words were found by me. He could have also said, thy words were found for me. They were found for for me. Again, one of the dangers of the ministry is end up using the Bible as a sermon book instead of reading the Bible for himself. Reading it for myself. That the first work I have to do is my own work to keep myself encouraged in the Lord. To keep myself looking at God. The same thing's true is that Sunday school teachers don't need to be looking for the next message before they find God speaking to themselves in God's word. That we need to be in God's word for me. Be in the word of God. The word of God was found by me. The word of God was found for me. 
Now with this, we see a second thing here. It says that God's words were found. Thy words were found and, here's the second thing, and I did eat them. And I did eat them. It means that when he read God's word, he just didn't read God's word he ate God's word. He digested them. He got something out of it that was a help to him. This word, <coughs> this carries the idea to meditate. The word meditate is, uh, comes from the word to chew the cud. And it carries the idea of a cow that would be eating grass and then it would swallow it. And after a while, it would bring it back up and chew on it and swallow it and bring it back up. Let me tell you what I'm going to. When it talks about eating God's word, it's carrying the idea of reading God's word until you find something to chew on. Find something to digest. Find something to put in to feed your own soul. Could you imagine going to a buffet and however they cost today, $12, $15, You go to a buffet, you're paying all this money to eat all this food and you'll go there and watch everyone else eat. And you're not eating yourself. You're missing out. No, 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 I'm fine. I'm just going to let everyone else graze. Well, if you paid that money, don't you feel like you should get something for yourself? No, I'm going to be like KFC. It's so finger licking good that I'll wait to lick other people's fingers when they're done. No, that's not the same. To learn how to read God's word until you have something to chew on. That to read the Bible until you have something that later on during the day you're going to bring it back up because you ate it and it was good and you wanted to revisit it. That's how we should read our Bible. That's what it means to read our Bible and to eat God's word. To read it until we have something to chew on. When's the last time you chewed on something from God's word? That you read it and it was so good. You, you just couldn't wait to think about it some more. And to ponder it over. That's where we should be at for digesting God's word. You know, in other parts of the Bible, we found there were other people who also ate God's word. If you don't mind, let's look at a couple of them. Hold your finger here. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3. If you're in Jeremiah, just two books over. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 3. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in Ezekiel chapter 3, we could see Ezekiel has been told by God to do the same thing, to eat God's word. Notice with me Ezekiel 3 and verse 1. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll, which is the Bible, the scriptures, and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy, thy bowels with this roll that I gave thee. And I did eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. So Ezekiel was told to eat God's word. Now, by the way, why was God 
telling Ezekiel to eat God's word. Notice with me in verse number one again. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat this that thou findest. Eat this roll and go and speak unto the house of Israel. This is Ezekiel's call to preach in verse num- or chapter number three, where Ezekiel's surrendering to the ministry. And God is saying, before you go out to go tell people, eat God's word first. Make it a part of you. Make it so that way you're meditating on it. Then go out and go speak to them. You had to put this in the right order. Before you could go out and speak to folks, you first have to be eating on God's word. Notice with me in Revelation chapter number 10. And we could see another person who was told to eat God's word. Now remember as you're turning to Revelation chapter 10. That Ezekiel said when he ate it, it was sweet. It was good for him. It wasn't bad. By the way, same thing for you. If you eat God's word, it will be good for you. As you start to love God's word, it will be like sweetness to you. It's not something that they're forcing down your mouth. Remember when you were a kid and you hate to eat broccoli and they forced you to eat broccoli. And my parents said that if you throw it up, you have to eat it again. That's not the same here. With reading God's word, it's good for you. It's a benefit for you. Revelation chapter number 10. Revelation 10, notice with me in verse number 9. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Now in this here is um, John the apostle is being used of God to see some things in the future. And he said, before I show you any more, you need to eat God's word. You need to make it a part of you. And it's going to be sweetness to you. You need to have this digested. Now, may I pause here? I think we all understand that this is figurative language. I'm not expecting some of you to start ripping out pages in your Bible and start chewing it up now. That's not what we're talking about. But with this figurative language, we understand there is a literal idea that God wants us to chew and process the word of God. He wants us to spend time with it. He wants us to bring it back up, to meditate it, to make it a part of us. Are you reading your Bible where you're eating God's word? Where it's coming back up? Where you're meditating? Where you're thinking about it? Where it's causing you something? Or is your Bible reading to the place where you read it and it's gone? Now again, why are we placing emphasis here? Because Jeremiah was in the middle of a depression. What got him out of the depression? God's word. He found God's word. He ate God's word. He learned how to encourage himself in the Lord's word. Then as we turn back to Jeremiah chapter 15, notice with me in verse number 16. It said, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. As he began to eat God's word, the result of it was that God's word was unto him a joy and rejoicing of my heart. Remember our theme for last year is the joy of the Lord is my strength. Where does the joy come from? The knowledge of God. And as we joy in who God is, 
we get our strength. The whole purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. And as you eat God's word, as you're digesting God's word, as you're searching in God's word, as you're going to God's word for your encouragement, the best encouragement you'll ever find is God himself. And as you learn about him, and as you find him, God will give you the encouragement you need. This is how to get out of the depression. Now, I understand that when you're in a depression, the last thing you want to do is read God's word. But let me tell you, it's the greatest thing you could do is to get into God's word. It's what's going to help. It's what's going to move you forward. It's what's going to get you out of this. We could see that he was told that I, the words were found. And then he ate God's word, which brings us to the last thing. God's word brought a knowledge of God. God's word brought a knowledge of God. As Jeremiah sought God's word, he realized once again that he was one of God's people. And that's what we find uh, towards the last part of this. That he realized, hey, I'm God's people. And God has a purpose for me. That he knew God and knew God's name because of reading God's word. Verse <clears throat> Uh, notice again at verse number six, uh, 16. He says, For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. When we read God's word, we remember, I'm a child of the king. I'm one of God's people. That God has a special place for me. God loves me. And then he also, because of God's reading, came into this idea of God's name. I love the study of God's name. Notice the name of God used here. O Lord God of hosts. You'll see this phrase in the Bible quite a bit, especially dealing with the idea of dealing with enemies. The idea of the Lord of hosts is a name of God that means the God of the armies of heaven. That God is the general, the captain of all the armies of heaven. Guess what? There are more on God's side than is on the enemy's side. And so Jeremiah, when he was looking at all the people that was pointing at him and said, that's a failure. He's all by himself. He was feeling all alone. He was feeling isolated. But as he read God's word and digested God's word, he realized, guess what? God plus one is a majority. I'm on the winning side. I'm not on the losing side. I don't have to be depressed. They're missing out, not me. I'm on the winning side. When you realize you're on the winning side, that helps quite a bit. You're not the one that's losing. You're not the one that's missing out. They may be looking at you now, but when it's all said and done, you're not missing out on anything. I'm on the Lord's side and I'm on the side of God of all the armies of heaven. What can the enemies do? God is the great conqueror. I could trust him. I could look at him. Oh, what a great encouragement. Because as we read in the book, we find more about God. And as we find more about God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Again, Jeremiah was a man of passions like we were. He was a person just like we were. And there was a time here where he slipped into a depression. Wished he wasn't even born. You may have been there. Maybe not. How did he get out of it? It wasn't trying to put on a smile. It wasn't picking him up by his bootstraps. It was going to God's word. Because God's word has great 
power. God's word reveals more about God. And as we learn about God and study about God and realize that who God is, we can get our strength because of the joy of the Lord is our strength. If we're reading the Bible like we should, we're constantly learning more and more about our Savior. And the more that you learn about our Savior, it's very hard to be in a depression when you're thinking about Him and all that He's done for me and all that He wants to do for me. Oh, what a great God that we have. What made the difference? Eating God's Word. So let me ask you, what's your diet like? Are you someone who's just living off sweets? Just hoping for some sugar candy coated message that maybe, oh, it's good, it's good. And then light and fluffy and leaves you hungry and not satisfied. Or have you learned how to read God's word for yourself? To study God's word, to search in God's word, to read God's word until it gives you something to chew on. Reading God's word until you're full and satisfied. Reading God's word until you learn more about who God is. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.